Welcome to Out of Line with Kat Poland. This week, I'm bringing you an amazing guest. She is warm and wise and has some real words of encouragement for us this week, this week of Thanksgiving. Uh, I am speaking with poet and author Irene O'Garden. Elizabeth Gilbert has this to say about Irene. For many years now, the poet, playwright, and memoirist Irene O'Garden has been a hero to me. I think of her as a walking, talking, writing beam of light. I could not have said that better myself. This conversation with Irene um, was enlightening, and um, I think you'll you'll find yourself like me. You'll want to grab a notepad and just write down uh, her words of wisdom. In fact, I may end up putting some of her quotes on like printable cards um, on the website under the show notes because I think I think there will be things that we'll want to take with us not only this week but throughout our lives and beyond. Um, reminders about gratitude and in finding goodness and gladness in this world. Speaking of goodness and gladness, I want to take a moment just to thank you. Thank you, whoever's listening out there, um, for giving me a chance, giving this podcast a chance. It was a passion project. I started about six weeks ago, and I'm really, really loving it. It energizes me. Um, I love talking to amazing and interesting people, and I hope that I can make many, many more. But without further ado... Let's hear from Irene. So, thank you so much for doing this with me today. I am just thrilled to finally meet you. I guess <laughs> um, I am glad I started doing this podcast series because it. I feel like it's um, kind of brought me out of my funk that I was in. From mm-hmm. um, you know, we're more isolated. We don't go out and do things. I don't really talk to people that much anymore. So mm-hmm. it's been mm-hmm. great. So, so how are you? Great. I am fine. And it's interesting because I've started something sort of similar. Mm-hmm. I have a uh, uh, Facebook live show that I do every other Tuesday. Glad to be human. Mm-hmm. Asking people what makes them glad to be human. So yeah. uh, that's been a really fun uh, set of conversations to have with people. And uh, But we are blessed to be in a really good place mm-hmm. where we can breathe and walk and continue to be in good health. Uh, very, very grateful for, uh, um, for the, the place we live and the people um, around us. So. Now, this, are people taking a lot of precautions around where you live? I'm not even entirely sure where you live. Oh, I live in the Hudson Valley. Okay. And, okay. and, and it's certainly the area where we live and most of the Hudson Valley is being, and most of New York is being extremely observant uh, in terms of masks and being mm-hmm. careful with other people. And um, so, so that has made a big difference. Mm-hmm. Some places are not, I mean, there, there's yeah. definitely a spike mm-hmm. uh, happening now, but that's happening yeah, and, uh, yeah. Well, I live uh, right in the middle of Kansas, and um, unfortunately, still a lot of people um, downplaying it, not believing it. We have a forty percent positivity test rate in the oh, county gracious. in the county where I live. So it's, it feels like not a matter of if, but when. <laughs> oh. uh, you know, it's 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 scary. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad to hear that you're at least in a place where others are. Mm-hmm 
taking people into consideration. So, um, and, I, okay. and I always try to keep, you know, the idea of health and the idea of, of creating health around me as part of my daily life. Um, not trying to focus on what the threat might be because I'm a person who believes, uh, I've taken it as my working hypothesis that we get what we focus on. Mm -hmm. And so I try to be careful where I put my attention and how much attention I do place on mm -hmm things that I think are not going to nourish me or the people around mm. me. But with all the, that said, I do try to be attentive to what situations may call mm. for. Yeah, I mean, that's why I need people like you to learn from because I, <laughs> I tend to get very, when, when nobody else around me is freaking out, then I feel like it is my sole duty to freak out that I have to be the one doing it because nobody oh, else is doing it. Yeah. Like nobody you else has to be the one to freak out. <laughs> Uh, it usually doesn't help you. It doesn't so, help them. I'm so good I, at it. Though. A little discharge is a good thing. A little yeah. discharge of anxiety, uh, but but I don't think that is an assignment that you need, Carrie. <laughs> well, okay. So let's talk about your newest book, which mm -hmm. um, you so you you just wrote a book last year, or you just had a book published in 2019, which is mm -hmm. how you and I connected, which we'll talk about here yes. a little bit. Uh -huh. But when did your most recent book come out? It came out in May. Wow. So uh, it, it's called Glad to be Human, and uh, which is where the, tele the uh, broadcast, the Facebook Live uh, video comes from, uh, Glad to be Human. And, uh, but it came out in May, so there was, I, I was supposed to have a launch in, mm. uh, in New York City at the Cherry Lane Theater, and you know, all kinds of things were lined up, and of course that all evaporated with many other people's plans. But, uh, so what I have been doing is I've been doing a lot of virtual conversation about the book, and, and places have printed excerpts from it or carried it online, which is very nice. And, um, but it's not like any other literary uh, event that I've ever had. So yeah, yeah. Um, I did just order a copy, by the way. Oh bless you. So heart. yeah, I think I don't know. I mean, like I said, I've been kind of living under a rock for a while. Um, I, I said I've come out of a six-month sabbatical where I just kind of wasn't, you know, really myself for a while. Sure. But um, yeah, I mean, to have a book about joy and optimism published smack dab in the middle. Of a yeah. pandemic. I mean, <laughs> seems a bit rebellious in and of itself, even though you didn't plan it that way. But but what better timing? Well, it's interesting. People have told me that. Um, I I sort of think that the human race does get a lot of bad press, uh, and it's not that there are not behaviors and activities that are that that really crush. A, a sense of idealism in us from time to time. Um, I, I look at gladness as, as something that's like a sense of balance. Mm -hmm. It is innate to us. It's not only innate to us, I think it's innate to all beings. That sense of well-being and connectedness, uh, the fact that we are meant to be healthy, uh, that gladness is something like our balance that we can lose from time to mm -hmm. time. But when we lose our balance, we don't just go, oh, all right, well, I guess I'm stuck on this floor forever. We say, okay, let me get back. I may be a little bumped around. Let me get back on my feet. And then balance mm -hmm. kicks in again. So, um, 
so I think it's really wonderful for us to connect inwardly with that sense of gladness also because it connects us with one another. Mm -hmm. When we feel terrible about being a human being, which we all are, if we feel terrible about the very thing that we are, it makes us want to pull away. It mm -hmm. makes us want to isolate ourselves. And we know that's not good for us. It's not good for the human race either. Thank Thankfully, we have these new and different ways of connecting with one another, uh, which help foster our gladness and our humanity. Yeah, I've been studying a lot of the work of Father Richard Rohr recently. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I've been kind of going through a, a deconstruction and reconstruction process of my faith and my theology. And um, he talks a lot about how um, we have such a negative anthropology, like the, the way that we've been taught in kind of traditional Christian teachings yes. about yes. how humans are and who, who humans are how uh, the root of that is just um, hating ourselves almost. And, yes, yes. and it's really refreshing to hear this perspective and to think of, you know, we, we say God is love, but we also talk about how we're these horrible, vile creatures. Yes. But I, I think about as being a creator, as someone who is creative, um, and thinking, you know, why would I make something horrible and awful? You know, like why... <laughs> It just doesn't make sense. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you um, talking about that. Uh, we need to have a more positive perspective on, on human beings. Um, mm -hmm. I think this year especially, you know, I said it myself. It's just a, a phrase that gets thrown around commonly is, you know, I've lost faith in humanity. Lost faith in oh, humanity. Uh -huh. And um, have, you, have, you, have you gotten any pushback on the message of positivity i'm interested to know you know someone said this isn't the time or place for that wait i mean i'm just curious to know because i've even felt a bit of that at times when you try to just look at i can't even say look at the bright side but people say that we have two more too many important things to talk about right now it's too serious you know, I tend, Kat, not to call such people to me. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I just don't, they, they just tend not to turn up. I'm not saying that people can't make a case for why the human race can never be trusted or why. I'm not saying that you can't put together evidence for that. However, what I do say is that putting together that evidence has has left us with some pretty awful exchanges with mm -hmm. one another. Yeah. Um, you're no good, you're not. And I'm not even speaking just of dialogue, I'm speaking of the dialogue of weaponry, I'm speaking mm -hmm. of the dialogue of dominance and patriarchy and all of these things that, you know, we've given it a shot, thinking that the humans were not so great. I don't think it's worked very well. Yeah. And so what, I, so I just say, if somebody really wants to believe that, I, of course, go ahead and believe it. But I am much more, for myself, practical because mm -hmm. uh, I don't see a benefit from that. I just mm -hmm. see uh, divisions and so forth. So, um, uh, you know, if people are welcome to believe whatever they want. But I, I now realize that what I choose as a belief system has a great effect on what I perceive in the world. And I think a lot of depressed and angry people are not creating at their best. They're creating, but 
I like to see and feel creativity as it comes through animals and forests, all this great design and this great create things that are healing and helpful and and loving mm-hmm. yeah i've been planet and each other i've been finding so much joy in in nature um oh. recently i mean just i have i don't know if you've seen the pictures of my white squirrel i posted on oh, facebook yes, i mean yes. this little guy or girl i don't know i can't tell uh yeah. it's just brings me so much joy and you know my kids know if i see it i drop everything i'm doing i run to the window and i study it and just stare at it mm-hmm. and um yeah i'm glad to hear someone else talk about the the joys found and, in nature you know, what if that little squirrel came out with its tail drooping and just <laughs> crawling very slowly across yeah. the yard because it had lost its belief in itself as a creature uh, you know that makes us laugh hey yeah. that's not going to happen yeah, maybe what learned if, ideas. What if I'm somebody's squirrel? And you know, what yeah. if I I'm showing up that way? It was funny because I wrote, you know, I wrote some notes down, things I was thinking, wanted to, to talk to you about. But I I, I find myself I, mean, I find myself I'm a I'm a positive, joyful person for the most part, but I can also be very cynical in that I don't accept lessons and positivity and optimism for from those who haven't known pain. Mm-hmm. Or for from those who deny their pain, or mm-hmm. I mean, like the you know positive vibes only type of yeah, people. Yeah, There's yeah. not my people, and so um, when someone such as yourself, you know, wants to to tell me something or tell a story about joy and gladness, I'm going okay. Like it gives me um, it gives me something to to believe in, and I don't know if that's something you've wrestled with yourself. That you know, there's a there's a, a false positivity uh, or they call it toxic positivity where you're, mm-hmm. you're not acknowledging the pain or the trauma. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if you could t- talk to that. Well, um, uh, you will find when you read my book, uh, I talk about 9-11 and my experiences there. I talk about the Boston Marathon bombing. Mm-hmm. I talk about, that's not all I talk about. There are a lot of kind of domestic things and and travel pieces and so forth the dark side is very much a part of life Mm -hmm. i'm not saying that it isn't what i am saying is that when we are faced with some very dark things the choice to only go deeper into the darkness might not equip us Mm-hmm. as well as saying, well, all right, if this were a dream, what would it mean? Or if I, you know, people have said, so what's your take on the pandemic? I teach, one of the things I do is I teach poetry in nature to young kids. And I didn't know until a couple of years ago that the caterpillar, now we know the caterpillar, the behavior of the caterpillar, consume, 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 mm-hmm. which sounds rather familiar to us. Mm-hmm. And, and then that cater- caterpillar is bound, cannot move in mm-hmm. the chrysalis, cannot do anything. And the caterpillar liquefies. I didn't mm-hmm. know this. It becomes caterpillar juice. It, <laughs> it, and it was funny because, especially in the early days of the pandemic, I was looking around going, oh my gosh, the education system is liquefying, the business system is liquefying, our social systems are, it's all melting, what's going on? And then I went, oh, and we are all 
restricted in mm -hmm. our movement like mm -hmm. the chrysalis. Now, interestingly enough, in the chrysalis, there are cells called imaginal cells, mm. which I just love. Yeah. And those are the cells that will become the butterfly eyes, the butterfly antenna, mm. the butterfly wings. When the caterpillar immunity system comes in contact with it, even in the liquid form, it attacks them, doesn't recognize them. This is not caterpillar. Wait. Mm. But what happens is, the system keeps going, the changes keep happening, and when that chrysalis is burst open by that butterfly, there is this winged being. Okay, so here's what I think is happening. I think this is the greatest transformation of human consciousness that, I don't know, since, I don't know, the Stone Age maybe, because we have to remember in this country we have a, a, a thinking like it's all going on here. It is going on all over the world, yeah. which means it is all human consciousness that's mm -hmm. being affected by this. Everybody's rethinking, well, how, well, what do I do? Do I do it? Do it? You know, and we get very fuzzy and things get very muddy and we don't really feel, we feel liquid ourselves. But meanwhile, there are these little beams within us that show us where I think we're eventually going to go. And I do, I do truly believe that human consciousness will emerge a winged thing and a completely transformed thing after this transformation after this i don't know how long it's going to take yeah but um but so darkness yes <laughs> death yes but there are ways to look at things instead of saying oh we're in the middle of a great depression or whatever no we are in the middle of a great compassion there are more, there's more compassion being displayed now by human beings all over the world than there ever has been before. So it's about what, where you choose to make your focus. Mm. Wow, that was beautiful. And I, again, about nature and science, and I am finding so much, um, so many lessons about even just my own faith that like I said, I'm kind of unpacking things, putting things back together and go, wow, this is it. This is it. This is the great lesson right here. Um, so I'm going to admit these couple things to you because I feel like you'll, you won't um, reject my woo woo-ness. Like, so, so at the beginning of the year, I, I think I was in a moment of meditation. Uh, I don't get to do that very often, but I remember I was quiet in a prayerful meditation. And I remember it was maybe January. Like, I don't even think we knew. I couldn't have known what was going to happen. I mean, um, but I had this, like, a, a very vivid vision of the earth. Um, and it, it, it the sound that I heard was like, when you imagine a building is getting ready to topple. Like, just the, the, mm. I, the, the beams are cracking and concrete breaking apart. And, and it just it felt like the world could no longer handle the weight of itself. The, mm. weight, the weight of its pain and um, evil. And, just, and it just it felt like it was getting ready to all collapse and crumble. And then it has. I mean, in a lot of ways. But I, I realize now that um yeah i think you're absolutely right i mean i'm and i'm hopeful that you're right that the, and it, it's connectedness you talked about that's another thing i've experienced in a moment mm -hmm. of meditation is like um i tell people this they think i'm crazy not everybody but the ones who don't think i'm crazy those are my people so <laughs> i see this like beam of light between all of us humans mm -hmm. it's like an effervescent green a little bit blue 
It's mm-hmm. beautiful. It's beautiful. And it connects each and every one of us. And sometimes the beams between two people are stronger. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes that light is dim. Sometimes that light can be blocked. But I can just get back to that place of thinking. And, and how much has this pandemic shown us that we are all connected? I mean, nobody's safe from it. I mean, if people think they can go and isolate themselves, well, you got to get food from somewhere. you got to get mm-hmm. – I mean – and hopefully it really does make people aware that we are actually all connected. Uh, well, I, I think that is so beautiful, Kat. And I think you definitely did, as, as artists and creators often do, you picked up on the forthcoming energy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think often the artists are the imaginal selves. They are seeing the wings before everybody else, which is why, oh, other people can't see it, so they're going to think, oh, that's weird. But you know what? That's part of this whole transformation. The idea that we have telepathy, Mm -hmm. the idea that we can sense, as animals sense, Mm -hmm. a forthcoming earthquake. You know, you were simply relying on a deeper set of Mm -hmm. senses. And that's part of what I find so exciting about what is evolving in mm-hmm. us now is we are beginning to trust that aspect of ourselves and and yeah if somebody doesn't get it okay they don't get it but it's yeah. a, it, it, what is wonderful is that we can develop those capacities mm-hmm. in ourselves and those are the things you know you think about well gosh how did people find food way back in the you know mm-hmm. stone age of time? well it could easily have been that they were dreaming about or they sensed in in these other ways where things were where were animals where we have this incredible uh palette mm-hmm. of of inner senses that i think we're now beginning to sense and i think and you're clearly very much in touch with it I feel like I'm so drawn to you, especially because, you know, now I'm, I'm in my late thirties and I'm mm-hmm. getting more comfortable in my own skin and just being who I am. And when I look at somebody like you and who you are as a person and how you write and how you are in the world. And it just gives me this, like, I guess um, a beam of hope or light <laughs> to, to go towards <laughs> like, like it's okay to be to be who I am and feel how I feel. Um, so okay, I want to talk about um, your writing journey specifically because mm-hmm. I'm not entirely familiar with how it all began. So I know there's a lot to unpack there, but if you could just uh-huh. kind of give me uh, an overview of your writing journey, your writing career. You mean when I started yeah. to write and how that came about? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I was always a poet, even as a child. And then I got into high school and, and college, and then they were shoving T.S. Eliot, very heady academic kind of poems at me. And, and it wasn't at all what I enjoyed in poetry. So I kind of gave it up. Of course, then we have the terrible poems that we all write at those ages. It was just like, oh, I like, oh, I hate it. Oh, I'm just, poor me, blah, 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 blah. So I just went, you know what, forget about it. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt uh, drawn to perform. So I started performing in high school and then studied it in uh, studied theater in college and decided I was going to move to New York and really make a career of it, which I did. Um, did I make a big career of it? No, because I felt limited in what kinds of roles women 
could do in in those days and um there were none you know there were no shakespeare using women as lear and there were no you know so the world has changed since then but at that time i went well forget it uh one of my other little pocket beliefs or ways that i behave is that i believe if it's really not fun stop doing it just stop doing it and go because we are not built to be miserable we really are not so i thought well this is just too frustrating for me to do this so i went away and i thought i'm going to do i went to an artist colony and i i'm going to do a visual project and i did do the visual project but while i was there i i began thinking about the journey that i had made from uh from being really so unhappy with my body, with my mm -hmm. weight, and struggling with those issues. And I started to write about that. I started to write about my history there. And it just kind of came pouring out. Mm -hmm. And it was nothing there I went, oh, I think I'll write it. No, it was, oh, but it was so strongly felt. I thought, well, this is what they make art out of, isn't it? <laughs> so I began to craft that and I I did perform it. It's a my first book called Fat Girl, and it's mm. that it is uh unlike Risking the Rapids, Risking the Rapids take is a memoir that takes place behind what the journey of Fat Girl is. The journey of Fat Girl is like, whoa, what is this? you know, the self-torture that we do when we hate ourselves, we feel we can't trust ourselves, all of that wrapped up in the, you know, the misery of always feeling like you're wrong. So, but, it, but I was able to emerge from that. So that made me go, well, gee, maybe I could do some other writing. And so one of the things that I did, and I, the other, uh, one of my working hypotheses is you create your own reality. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I kind of came across those ideas when I was in my early 30s. And I thought, well, if I create my reality, I want to create a place for my writing. I want to create other people to write with. I want to feel part of the community. And so I went, by that time, we had moved out of New York City and up into this lovely little rural villagey area. And I thought, well, by golly, I'm going to do it. So mm. I created a seasonal performing literary magazine. I mm. uh, did it four times a year. So I was sure that four times a year I would be getting up in front of an audience with my own work. And I would be sure that my friends and those people, the writers who wanted to perform, the performers who wanted to write, could all have that destination and really create an audience that was a loving, listening audience. So for 25 years, I did that. Wow. And meanwhile, I'm sending poems and various things out. And, and it, I, I'm not a writer who writes every day, yeah. uh, but I am a writer who, uh, when I feel strongly about something, uh, uh, I'm there. I'm there. Mm -hmm. It won't let me go until mm -hmm. I try to express what it is. So, uh, and and then you know, well, here's a book of poetry, and here's you know, the memoir, the Risking the Rapids memoir, was a, you know, wrestling with the angel. <laughs> I know you do mm -hmm. wrestling with the. I wrestled with that yeah. for 20 years. I knew I wanted to 
talk about it and all that. And I, I wrestled, how could it be? And I shaped it and I formed it. And it really wasn't until I took the wilderness journey into the most mm. remote place in the lower 48 states at the age of 62 uh, with family members that I felt I could finally find a way to finish that. Wow. Wow. So, and I d have done blogs, I've done all kinds of different writing, mm -hmm. but so I, I've never felt, oh, it's got to be one thing. Uh, mm -hmm. It's it's a more trusting my internal pull one mm -hmm. one place or another. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a, a long and winding yeah. road for you. <laughs> I, I love it though, because that's how I feel about my own writing journey. Like you talk about that, that passion, you feel strongly about something. And people ask me, how do you, how do you just sit down and write something like this? I'm like, how do you sneeze? Like it, just, <laughs> it just comes out, you know? That's great. Uh, and um, I loved hearing you talk about how long, you know, you wanted to write this memoir. And it's fascinating to me having read it, knowing that you were wanting to write it before you even took that journey, because the journey just held it all in this beautiful package. It was it was really wonderful. And so I went back to um, when we first connected. Um, <laughs> I, I, I didn't realize it wasn't very long ago. I feel like I've known you for so long. Uh, you know, my husband teases me because um, so many of my friends I have online, you know, there's this country song, so much cooler online. Well, okay, maybe I am cooler online. But um, so I think I got a, an email from uh, your publicist because I somehow got into some kind of PR um, spreadsheet somehow, you know, because uh, I blog and and uh, thought, okay, you know, I you know, I, I want to read this book and, and check it out. And man, I just, um, you know, like I said in the email when I replied back, uh, when I replied back to you, like I asked if I could call you Aunt Irene. Um, I felt this deep sense of connection, and I don't know you, but I took a risk, a vulnerable risk in being uh, maybe overly familiar and asking if I could call you Aunt Irene and <laughs> you were you were amenable to that which I appreciated um, I will tell you I have reached out to other authors where I felt a deep sense of connection and really just wanted to tell them how much I love their work I've had one time where it really backfired on me oh. <laughs> so that was really interesting but um, so you know I read the book and I have to read do you ever go back and read something you wrote and think well, that's pretty dang good that I wrote yeah. that. Right. So one of the I, nice things about writing. <laughs> so one of the, you know, well, obviously we had a lot of connections, the Catholicism, um, some of the, the occurrences, of the book suicide and autism and some, you know, uh, definitely felt some connections that way. But one of the things I really appreciated about your book was things. Um, so I talked about, um, the glorious things. I love the description of all the things in your childhood home. How it remind, reminded me of my childhood home, my grandparents, great aunts and uncles, uh, post-depression stalwarts who left no bread tie uncollected and every scrap and string saved for a moment of need who knows when. You no longer value things. I say thanks, Marie Kondo. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I practice simplistic living as much as is reasonable with three children. I long for the indulgent days of my childhood when I was left in my own imagination while the grown folk visited. Um, you know, it's like the things present anthropological opportunities, mm. a glimpse into an elderly family member's past, the one they don't narrate, but the one you learn on your own. And I don't know. I just, 
I wonder if today's children will miss out on that. And it sounds silly, but I did. I, I gained, I gleaned so much from that. And I know that, you know, my children are being raised in a different time. Well, first of all, they don't go and spend a lot of time with their grandparents, of course, mm -hmm. especially not right now. But um, there's such a, there's such a focus on decluttering and tidying. And I don't know, do you think we're, we're losing out on anything, losing out on just who we are as people by, I, I don't know. Well, it's interesting. I feel that every generation comes in with its own set of challenges. And so I, I simply try to say, oh, okay, that's, they're going to have a different set of challenges than we mm -hmm. came in, than I came in with. I had a different set than you mm -hmm. um, are, uh, you know, the, the folks who were in World War II were dealing with other issues. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's actually one of the beautiful things about the human race is mm -hmm. that people have different areas. So obviously part of, part of our shared generations uh, had to do with expressing ourselves through objects and, and enjoying that type of physicality. Mm -hmm. However, these younger generations have much more to do with the kinds of connections that are happening via screen. Mm -hmm. um, I would definitely love to see them, and I do work to get them outside more, mm -hmm. because that is something, while we can, I have no problem with us not having the bread box and the, you know, <laughs> the wonderful old rosaries that belong mm -hmm. to my, uh, I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with not having the beauty of planet earth so and i think you know we're beginning to turn a corner there where people yeah. realize oh no wait this is really the, the things that are alive mm -hmm. are the things that really matter and the things that foster life yeah so so these young people well and i you know i feel sad that they don't you know that we don't get to go be in those houses in the same way and at the same time I know uh, a couple of grandchildren of friends of mine who are living had moved to Europe with their parents mm -hmm. and they zoom all the time and their mm -hmm. their grandparents do little shows for them and so they're seeing them a great deal more than they mm -hmm. did it's just not going to be like oh I remember the sunlight slanting oh. hitting that carpet and that ticking clock you know oh yeah so you just gave so me you just gave me a chill bump saying that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I've seen the downside of that too. You know, I've um, down downsized. The downside is the downsizing. Uh -huh. Downsized my mom three times in the past six years. Oh gracious! You know, she went from the farmhouse to a small house in town to an independent living apartment, and now she's in a nursing home. Mm. And you see, and it, there's a wow. there's a, a grief to that too as well. You know that yeah. the their life just gets smaller and you know, literally smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And um, no, I just, I love the book. See, I have it right here. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, you know, it's a well-loved book. So there's some kind of water stain on that <laughs> and uh, a Honeycrisp apple sticker. So <laughs> yeah, but no, it's really great. And, um, and I, I can't wait to get your, can't wait to get your new book here soon. So, oh, thank you. I do want to say one thing about lives getting smaller and smaller mm -hmm. as possessions get mm -hmm. smaller and smaller. Uh, I think this is part of the evolution and the transformation that we're going to see that 
I think we have been mistaken to think that that is where life is. Mm -hmm. And that as we go return to our inner selves and expand these capacities that we have for the intuition, for uh, the idea of time being more flexible uh, than we are taught it is, uh, the idea of exploring our dreamscapes. Mm -hmm. There's so much within us. And I, I think it's possible that these generations who are coming up going, I don't want things, are the ones who are going to be helping that kind of understanding mm -hmm. uh, evolve. And of course, the, good, the upside of that, I, I know it is hard to do that, the, the journeys that you've had to take with your mom. I had to do that with mm -hmm. my mom and, and with an older sister as well. But, uh, but it's good to remember that's actually not, it looks like that's where life is, but it is, it is within us. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I love your, your green light of mm. connection that you see. That, to me, yeah. is, is a profound uh, it observation. Was, and it was um, shortly after my father's death. And mm. um, that was an ex extremely spiritual time in my life. Um, there's also the day after his death, a, a flock of whooping cranes flew directly over me and my husband outside of our home. I mean, whooping cranes are, I mean, yeah, it, I'm going to get tattoos on you. But, uh, you know, we know now, we knew it was a sacred, a sacred moment. And even my husband is, you know, he's like kind of this John Wayne type guy, you know, and it really moved him. I mean, he actually got up and spoke at my dad's funeral, which was wow. a big deal for him. But he, uh, he called me the other day, he was going out to hunt and he goes out and he hunts deer and he said, I saw three whooping cranes. They flew right over my truck and he was freaking out. And, but you're right though. It's like, that is, that is what life is all about. And if you can, mm -hmm. there's moments in time when you're forced to go within yourself and, um, and then look up, look out, look at nature, the, what mm -hmm. is right there in front of you. Um, yeah. So, um, I have a, a question that I, I want to ask every one of my guests mm -hmm. um, because the whole theme of my podcast is out of line. You know, people who maybe live differently or chose to take a different path than others. Um, but with that comes a, a bravery. You know, you have to be brave. But have you ever wanted to trade being brave for being safe? Have you ever come across <laughs> a time you chose to be brave and you went, oh, I wish I would have taken a safe route instead? Um, well, uh, the answer that comes right to me is we're never safe unless we are brave mm. because otherwise we're always feeling, uh, well, okay, I, I, I'm here, but I'm not being who I can be. Um, risk is part of what we signed up for here. And the great thing is that every time we take a risk, I'm not saying we have to all balance on one foot over the Grand Canyon. You know, we don't have to do that. Uh, certainly calculated risks. Risks, uh, we make a judgment about what, it, what risk do we really want to take? Well, we take a risk when we write. We take a risk when we have children. We take these risks, but it, and that takes bravery. Uh, what takes more bravery than being a parent? Oh my gosh, you know. But yeah. each time we take that step, 
we become safer in our own humanity. We become safer in our own person because we're relying on our own inner impetus to grow. And what seems like safety by, you know, just folding our arms and sitting on the couch and just doing only Netflix all the time is, is not making us really feel safe because we underneath it, we know that, ah, well, I'm not doing the thing that really is going to deeply satisfy me. Mm, so um, did, was I quaking on that trip? Did I curse it while I was on it? From time to time, yes, I did. It was like, oh my gosh, why did I do this? And when we're in the middle of it, I'm sure labor was a lot like that for mm-hmm. you. Um, but we just have to get on through it. And once we get on through it, or as we get on through it, we find that fiber of our being is being mm-hmm. developed and we, and we can rely on. So. Yeah, so, okay, there, you have this great quote about risk that I... I just posted it the other day when I was promoting the podcast. Tell me what that is, if I can find it maybe here. Oh, yeah. I love it so much. It's, about, it's not so much that we could die at any moment, but that we could live. <sighs> well, I love that is one, that too. One? It's uh, like risk is what connects us to what we want. Oh, yeah. Oh. Risk is the tightrope yes. that connects us to what we want. Yes. Oh, I love yeah. that so much. Yeah. I love that so much. And it, ah, yeah, I know you have, you have so many... Um, quips and quotes that I love. And I love on your website, the, the video visual of unrolling oh. with the word. I think she loves her words so much. And I love that you, <laughs> I love that you love your words. Cause I, you know, I, I think oh. we, you know, as, as writers, like it's, it, it matters so much to us. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I make my career, my living as a copywriter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do a lot of writing for clients and other people. And that's, um, that's one thing I've, you know, I've just, every, Every word I write is for a reason. And mm-hmm. um, so it's interesting to me sometimes comes some of that back and forth with when you have a client and they, they, you, you can explain mm-hmm. your rationale behind it. But anyways, I love mm-hmm. that you, you love your words so much that they have this very beautifully written and they're just un, you know, unscrolled. And oh, I love that. So it's oh, great. Okay. You. I have another question uh, that mm-hmm. I ask every guest. It's, it's a little bit unusual. So if you need some time to think about it, um, what is your hype song? Like you're invited to a conference, you're the keynote speaker, and what song is going to play when you walk out on stage? <laughs> well, hmm, um, oh boy, uh, 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 that's a tough one. That's a tough one because uh, I'm not used to thinking. You know, it may be Bobby McFerrin's "Don't Worry, Be Happy." <laughs> nice, I love it. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I can hear. I can hear it in my head right now. So, oh, I like that. I like that a lot. I think. This has been an interesting answer from different people. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of glimpse of their personality, so I like that a lot. So what if you could give people advice or encouragement about gratitude this week, especially as people, especially you're maybe mourning the loss of a beloved tradition. Mm-hmm. If you have some words of advice or wisdom, mm-hmm. that'd be great. Um, so I would say that gratitude is one of the most beautiful gifts you can give yourself mm-hmm. and to give others. It's, it's a great wavelength to travel on. It's a great wavelength to share out in the world mm-hmm. because it multiplies with every use. Mm-hmm. And every time we look at something and feel that gratitude, that gets amplified mm-hmm. and goes out into the world. And, and when we thank, when we thank, 
we, we are being so true to our own nature. Mm-hmm. And that is itself a great comfort. Mm-hmm. So, I love that. Gratitude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking too, you said gratifi- gratitude amplifies. I guess the alternative to that would be to complain and you're depleting resources. My uh, son is in kindergarten. They have a thing they talk about being bucket fillers. People who fill, <laughs> fill other people's but yeah, and yeah. Uh, my son came home the other day and he said, "My teacher called me a double bucket filler." And I love, <laughs> I love that. I thought that's great. So that is good. But yeah. So well, thank you for your time. I really appreciate oh, sure. it. So, and I sure. hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving week, whatever your Thanksgiving's going to look like. So, yeah. all right. Well, thank you. Take well, care. Thank you. I have gratitude for you. Oh, thank you. You too. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Thanks. Bye. See, I told you, she is, she is just the best. She really is. Um, she's very authentic in, in who she is as a person and how she writes. And I encourage you to get to know Irene better. You can check out her website, ireneogarden.com. That's I-R-E-N-E-O-G-A-R-D-E-N.com. And you can also find her on Facebook. Irene O'Garden, poet and author, and check out that uh, Facebook Live show she does. She's got some really great, great, really great guests, and I think you'll really enjoy that. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Um, if you want to learn more about me, you can check out catpoland.com or find me on Facebook, Cat Poland Author and Storyteller, or on Instagram or Twitter at catpoland. And I'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas um, from about other guests you'd like me to interview or if you have any follow-up questions for any of the guests I've had on, please feel free to reach out. And if you would be so kind as to subscribe to the podcast, that would help let me know how many out there are listening. And as always, a good review is appreciated as well. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget that good things can happen when you step out of line.